Time again for another episode of Scaring and Sharing. Yes, the podcast where we share spooky news and frightful views with each other and you about all things horror. This, this is true. This is true. <laughs> I just went to the movie and I had candy. Jeremy, do you know I never have candy at the movies? Oh, shit. What did you I have? Had nerd, I had nerd clusters. Mm. That, that's not what they're called. Is that right? Sure. But you know what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, like it, little gummies with like nerds on the outside. Sure. Nerd clusters. Why not? <laughs> And I, I like suck on them until all the nerds are gone. And mm-hmm. then it, it feels like it tastes like the gummies are like pear, which is a very unusual flavor. You don't ever have like gummy pear flavored things. Yeah. That's what it tastes like. I may be wrong, but I'm all jacked up on sugar now. Mm-hmm. And I'm drinking a <laughs> Dr. Pepper right now. So, you Ooh, know, get it. What I do love about the theater we went to today is they have Diet Pepsi, which I am a Diet Pepsi person. Mm, okay. So that makes me very happy. Compared yeah. to the old AMC Coca-Cola. That's true. I am not like I like Diet Coke once in a while, and it has to be fountain Diet Coke. Mm-hmm. I do not like it out of a can or a bottle. It has to be from a fountain if I'm gonna drink it. So one of my friends and I used to go to McDonald's for hot coke, is what we called it, because the mm. Coke at a McDonald's, like a soda fountain coke, like the fizziness is so fizzy that it almost tastes like spicy. Mm-hmm. So that's what we used to call it, a hot coke. Yeah, I like By that. By the way, we're the Scare Boys. <laughs> <laughs> I am here today with the gorgeous, the splendid, the miraculous, Jeremy the Original Sasquatch Slim Rusk. And you are the scrum trulescent. <laughs> Brandy Joe Plenbeck, the flame and scream queen himself. That is so fun. I just went to the pharmacy and like as I was coming in, this woman was going out and then like I was up at the counter and then she comes back in and she's like, does your license plate say scrum queen? And I was like, (laughs) no, scream queen. Like, I don't even know what a scrum. What's scrum? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know why she felt the need to come in and ask me. Is that license plate say scrum queen? I'm like, I guess it's better than soccer mom. Like I get sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like, no, Scream Queen. Scream Queen. (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy, it's so good to see you. Prior to today, it felt like forever, even though we've had normal episodes, but... Yeah, yeah, it's just our recording schedules thrown off. So yeah, we usually... because we saw our, our new release, our singular spooky. Yeah, normally we see each other a couple times a week while yeah. recording. So yeah, yeah. But if you've never listened before, Jeremy and I love horror movies. We like to talk about horror-related things in the first half. Then we assign the other person a scary movie they've never seen before. We go away, we watch them, we come back, we talk about them. Unless there's a brand new release or we're short on time, then we both watch a movie we've never seen before and dish on it, which is and... what's happening happening today that's today's episode so get ready yep get ready get get loaded up i don't know get 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 (laughs) get loose (laughs) so jeremy um i want to say a couple things i've been watching sure let's run through that real quick let's do it i realized like i was thinking about rewatching the haunting of hill house because it's my favorite series ever so Mm -hmm. i started i watched the first episode and i was like you know what i'm gonna go back and watch the haunting because i didn't do that prior to watching this and so i watched the haunting and as i'm watching it i'm realizing i never have seen this whole movie like Mm. i've seen bits and pieces but like i'd never seen the whole thing and Mm -hmm. it is so motherfucking good the haunting as in the 
The OG, not the OG. like the Lily Taylor one. Yeah, the one from like the 70s, I want to say. or I want to say the 60s. 60s? Okay. Yeah. Oh my God, it's so fucking good. Directed by the guy who directed West Side Story, which is insane to me. Mm-hmm. And it just everyone in it is so good. It's so chilling. It is so beautiful from 63. And the director is Robert Wise. And it is just, it is a fucking great movie. And watching it and then now getting, I'm like maybe like four episodes into Hill House. And it's just so much richer, like the things they pull from the movie and probably the book as well. Mm -hmm. But like, and how they take the characters who aren't siblings in the, the original story, but they just take the names and some of the characterizations of them. Like they're a lesbian or whatever. Like they're mm -hmm. the ones who sort of get inhabited by the house and their mind. And, and then like weave it into this new retelling, which is the way I love a remake, like take something and then adapt it. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's what I fucking love. Uh, tell me something you have watched. Well, okay. First off, I was gonna say I have seen The Haunting. I need to revisit it though because I feel like I watched it too young. I was probably in college, uh, I think, uh, and it feels like it was just lost on me. So I got to go back and rewatch that because I I remember being like, this movie's kind of boring and not a lot happens. But I'm sure I would have a as a more mature viewer, I'd have a much better take on it. But um. Uh, I've been kicking it into overdrive, man. We are into spooky season, so I'm just binging all the stuff I love to watch. I've already watched the first four Halloweens. I've watched the first four Friday the 13th. Oh, my uh, God. Rewatched those. Um, love them all. Those are all like those are like the sweet spots, I think, for both those series. Uh, I rewatched and I haven't done this in a long, long time. I rewatched the first Saw because everyone's going Saw crazy right now. And I'm like, you know what? I think it's time to finally watch this whole series and give it a shot because I think we've talked in the past. I've only seen Saw 1 and 2. That's, That's crazy. It. That's where I stopped with the series. And I remember thinking the first Saw was just okay the first time I saw it. And Saw 2, I remembered liking more than the first Saw. But anyway, going back and rewatching it, I see people are still gaga over the first Saw. Like I go on Letterboxd and it's got so many, like, you know, four or five star reviews. I just can't get over how bad the acting is in that movie. Like, I know that's what stands out to me when I think of it. They're over on It's Only a Podcast. Ian is out of the country. So Disaster Baby, who is so awesome, is like guest hosting along with Christian. And they're doing a Saw Overkill series because Disaster Baby loves Saw. Mm -hmm. And and so I was listening to that first episode or them talking about the first the first um one in the series. And I was like, yeah, I just don't I don't like it. Yeah, I and it, like it. it feels and the rushed. acting is what I remember being bad, especially that's what, Carrie that's Elwes. Yes, it, however you say his name. And it's Carrie Elwes. You know, he's a good actor. He's a seasoned performer. Uh, you know, Danny Glover, seasoned performer. You wouldn't think they would be as choppy as they are in those roles, but um, I did listen to a podcast that talked about the Saw series, and they said that during the making of the first Saw, they shot it in eighteen days. Wow. And so they only had time for one or two takes at most of every scene. That's so crazy. I think that's where the choppy acting comes from. Like, okay, so that's, I think, really what it was, is they didn't have time uh, to get it right, so to speak. You know, they just had to roll with what they were getting. So there you go. I can't hear the word choppy without thinking of your nephew and the octopus in the sky. <laughs> and that's right. And if you know, you know. Choppy. <laughs> He looks like a nice guy. 
Yep, he looks like a nice guy. But yeah, so that's what I learned about Saw. And I was like, oh, I think that explains a lot. And you, I also tend to forget that the first Saw was very much an indie movie. Oh, like it, yeah. yeah. It's so indie compared to like two forward has that Hollywood gloss. Like it's become a full fledged franchise, you know, from that point forward. But you go back and watch one and you're like, oh, my God. Yeah, this is so much an indie 2000 early 2000s indie flick like you know i think people forget that but i didn't hate it on this rewatch i mean it's still like a great concept and all that it's just not i don't know i'm excited to continue the series and see if i still feel that like two was better because i remember thinking that distinctly Mm -hmm. uh and then to actually see the rest i know like some of the plot points but i've never watched them so well, the ping pong off of you, I just went and saw Socks or Saw X yeah. as Christian on, once again, plug, it's only a podcast, calls it. Uh, and I, I really liked it. it. It is very different than many of them mm-hmm. in like its setup. And for a while, I was a little bored, quite honestly, but it all paid off. Like it yeah. was, I'm just like, I don't need story in a Saw No, <laughs> That's not that's what we're what here do, for. But it does help. It does pay off. Mm-hmm. And it is a lot of fun. It does add, like, just like uh, our friend Chris sent me a, a thing, like the Bad Haircut Hall of Fame in horror, which has, like, Gail from Scream 3 and now Shawnee Smith as Amanda from Saw X, because it's trying to, like, emulate her hair in part two mm. since it comes before part two. Yeah. And it, her haircut's real, real, real bad. Or the wig. I'm pretty sure it's a wig, yeah. which is why it's bad. Um, but I enjoyed Saw X. I thought it was uh, a fun little ride. Cool. I, I was surprised. I like rated it one thing, and then I came back the next day and rated it something else. Because as it sat with me, it, it you're like, up. not too bad. And, and I'm hearing many are calling it possibly the best Saw movie, yeah, of yeah. all of them. Which shocking that late in the game with the tenth movie that you can have something that's that good or has that much impact. I know. Um, and I do have another thing I watched that also ties into the news, sort of. So. Uh, if I can kind of ping pong between a few things. So I had to skip out because I totally forgot you put together a exorcist screening. You went to the movies with some friends uh, to see on the big screen. I was supposed to go and I totally forgot that my wife and I were going to see Eddie Izzard the same afternoon that that screening was happening. And I was like, damn it, Um, which was still great. She was amazing. Um, she's doing a tour where uh, it's like a remix of all of her old stand-up. So cool. she's, she's doing bits from like years ago, but kind of like updated and mixed around. So it was real cool. Um, which the quick news blurb I have is they finally released the trailer for Dr. Jekyll from Hammer Films, oh. which stars Eddie Izzard as Dr. Jekyll. Uh, okay. And so the trailer looks really cool for that. It looks, uh, it looks like a unique take, so I'm interested to see that. I think it's supposed to come out in time for Halloween. Um, but I did re-watch the original Exorcist on my own time this past week just to brush up uh, in time for, you know, the episode you're listening to now. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I am I am all boned up and ready to go on uh, the original Exorcist. So. Yeah, I'll talk more about that screening we went to when we get to yeah. our talking of the Exorcist Believer. But it was fun. While we were there, I saw these guys in line for the concession stand and they had like it looked like they had like merch, like they were wearing like matching merch. And it mm-hmm. said something about a podcast. And I was like, Are you guys with a podcast? And they're like, Yeah, Evil Jelly. It's a horror movie podcast. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's crazy. I'm like, I was supposed to be here with my co host from <laughs> our horror movie podcast. And so we got to talk 
talking and their names are Rourke and James. And there was a third one there with them. But I think that the two of them are the main hosts of Evil Jelly. And mm. and they were like, yeah, we started during like the pandemic and stuff. I'm like, oh, we did too. Oh my God. So yeah, it was really fun. And they were like, oh, are you here to see The Shining as well? And I'm like, no, we're here for The Exorcist. So Ooh. it was fun. So I started, I subscribed to them and I've been listening to them and they're really great. So shout out to Evil Jelly. Go check them out. Uh, but yeah, I was, I was, I was, mm, I was happier to see The Exorcist than The Shining. I like The Shining, and it would have been fun to see it in a theater. But if I, given the choice, I would go see The Exorcist, and that's what I did. Yeah, I had the me, choice, and I made it. Me too. Exorcist is the original, so good. It's just yeah. so good. So, so fucking good. Um, let's see what other news. Um, Terrifier Two is back in theaters, or I think it is now, or is about to. But a Terrifier Three trailer is coming along with it. Whoa. And they said, like, you may think it's going to be some, like, 20-second teaser, but it's not. It's a full, like, two-minute trailer. Holy crap. I know. I'm so fucking excited. Cool. Yeah, I saw a little blurb that was like, Halloween doesn't end on October 31st this year, because it's, like, November 1st, Terrifier 2 will be... Uh, you know, playing in theaters. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, and just like everything is coming out right now. Like I want to see Totally Killer or whatever that movie is called that like Back to the Future meets Scream. Yeah. Like I want to see that. Um, the, where When Evil Lurks is out in theaters, which is by the guy who did Terrified, which we did on our last episode. It's in theaters and I, I just want to go see it so badly like right now, but I can't because I'm with you and then I have a meeting. Oh, but I want to no. go now. I want to, and then like next week is Friday <laughs> the 13th yep. which we have our very special episode coming out with our very special guest and it's also our three-year anniversary and like everything comes out next weekend because it's friday the 13th in october it's mm-hmm. like hill house comes or you know um the fall of the house of usher yeah. and like everything else. like it's just like it is like an avalanche of horror and mm-hmm. i am fucking living for it yeah horror is like every for i spent years thinking i noticed it in college and then i feel like it dragged on for years where i felt like halloween was just getting so neglected like people didn't care about halloween anymore um and in recent years i don't know if it was the pandemic or what but all of a sudden it feels like everyone's fucking halloween crazy like it's starting to rival christmas i think in the uh uh the sheer amount of celebration people want to give to it it's creeping into like the end of summer people are start gearing up they're like i'm ready for halloween in august so it's like holy crap it's starting to come back it's making a comeback i feel yeah i mean it's always been there but i just feel i think with the the amount of i don't know commercialism and i also think because of covid and now like we're out and about more that i think people are just like with the certain holidays are just like let's blow this shit up yeah let's do it like we we know what it's like to not get to celebrate so let's like let's do it again so i love that Oh my God, I love it too. Cause everyone's like, oh, this is your time. And I'm like, it is, but it's always my time. I know we've talked <laughs> about this before. It's like yes. the Halloween 24 seven, but like the amount of things coming out and the fact that I can walk anywhere and see like horror related things, it just like tickles me so. Yes, it's like that old uh, uh, meme, uh, TikTok or whatever it was of the little girl where she's like, it's always Halloween in my soul. And I'm like, I'm totally, <laughs> totally feeling that. I fucking love it. So we have a lot of terrograms, but before we get there, I have one thing. Um, Front of the podcast, Nico sent something over and said he wanted to pose this question to us. Mm. So the question is, and maybe you've heard this before, could a vampire policeman enter, or police person, I'm going to edit, enter my house if they had a warrant? 
Mm, interesting <laughs> and then like the tag this is like from a reddit thread and then like the the sub t- header or whatever says this question has destroyed many of my friend groups <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna say no i'm gonna yeah. say that it, like a warrant does not um dictate that like inherent um mm-hmm. guttural Invitation? like yeah. yeah like for a vampire that does not over what's it called like not overwhelm supersede it. yeah to, thank you god i am yeah. i'm just so bad with words jeremy <laughs> i'm so glad you're here i'm so glad i have my husband who's also very good with words uh and language and grammar because <laughs> i just oh things. my god just the little things in life but um that's why you surround yourself with people who are good at the things you're not good at you know yeah exactly um, so but yeah it, it i don't think it can supersede that that's no, what i'm gonna say i'm gonna go with it too because i feel like the idea of the you have to invite a vampire in is like a form of invocation uh which is like you know a spell it has to be spoken uh so i don't think a warrant works and if you've seen any horror movie you know the old saying don't read the latin out loud because to have it (laughs) written down in a book is fine just don't say it out loud because that evokes whatever's going on so i think they have to be verbally invited in i think that still i think that would totally supersede a search warrant Invocation is such a good word. Yeah, yeah, right. You have that's to invoke, a good one. invoke it. You have to bring yes. them in, and that's oh, a verbal. Love it. It's a verbal spell. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So thanks mm-hmm. for that, Nico. That is fun, and I wish that there was like a book of these horror-related, interesting question topics. Trust me, I've looked because I just think that they're like good to like pose on here. Yeah, I love it. They're awesome. I love it when you're watching a movie with a vampire, and like someone who doesn't know the person is a vampire, like invites them in, and everyone is like, no. No, you idiot. Uh It makes me happy. All right, let's read some teragrams. Okay. Uh, Should I go first? Yeah, take it away. All right, first up, it goes, Hey, y'all, just writing in to say thanks for organizing the outing to see The Exorcist last weekend. It was a great time, and I was glad to get to see the movie with an audience on the big screen. As I mentioned to Brandy Joe, most of the classic effects and dialogue were familiar to me from parodies and homages in more recent films. The thing that I was not expecting was how well the movie The thing that I was not expecting was how well the movie established its characters. I genuinely cared about them in a way that most horror movies lack, and it helped keep me engaged through the slower moments. The relationship between Reagan and Chris was great and really helped to build the tension as they go through all of the medical testing scenes. Lastly, I'm really glad I waited to see this movie. As a kid, I would have been way too scared, and getting to see it with friends on the big screen was the best. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to join y'all for Believer tomorrow, but I look forward to hearing your takes. Thanks again for sharing the scares, Al. Oh, Al, thank you. Yeah, it was really good to see him there. It was it was just a, a good a good time. And like I, when I was there, I realized I was there with four people who hadn't seen it. Oh wow. Because Harry, my friends Harry and Kevin hadn't seen it. And um yeah, and my friend Jake also hadn't ever seen it. And no one found it particularly particularly scary. They mm-hmm. just, you know, thought it was good, but they weren't like scared by it. Yeah, it's I sort of feel like any scares I still have from the original are like residual, like from nostalgia, from remembering how much it scared me. Because now as an adult, I have like a totally different takeaway that I'll get into 
more as we discuss the current movie so totally yes and we'll we'll we can come back to this for sure but al thank you so much for coming it was so awesome to see you and yeah i love a good i love a good theater outing with friends so next up we have a email from gay john it's a it's a a girthy one and you know how i like it girthy Mm -hmm. so this is the subject is the latent image and Gay John writes, I'm trying to be a man of my word and write to you creeps more often. <laughs> Considering this message doubles my total count, I think I'm on the right track. A few nights ago, my partner and I stumbled upon a new queer horror movie that we were excited to watch. I use the term we loosely as he mostly abhors horror films, though he will indulge me sporadically. He prefers films of the Hallmark variety. That's in air quotes or quotation marks, rather. <laughs> so I know I'm suddenly shocked that the Hallmark Channel has not attempted a Halloween romance. True. Bet, as the kids say, I'm saying. With minor trepidation, my partner agreed to watch 2022's The Latent Image with me. A rather boring opening kill is accompanied by an even more bland narration that ends abruptly when it is revealed we've been watching a story unfold as it is being written. This opening fakeout is not only is not the only gotcha moment in the latent image. The plot mechanism is used to varying levels of effectiveness throughout the film. I would have eye-rolled at this convention in a lesser film, though every time we're snapped out of these moments, the film is stronger for bringing us back to reality that is grounded in a genuine and deftly subtle sense of increasing peril. The protagonist is an author who has isolated himself in an attempt to cure his writer's block. He is not alone for long as his isolation is interrupted by a drifter who appears in the middle of the night. The film unfolds into increasingly dangerous territory as he continues to write his novel now inspired by this real-life invasion of his privacy. 99% of this movie is a two-hander, and there is a particularly effective scene that very efficiently builds tension as the two characters go through motions of a perfect murder scenario that had me on the edge of my seat. The acting and direction in this scene achieves a great level of tension that left me feeling like I was in the room as it was happening, and I wish I really could be. This scene would work terrifically on a stage. Hint, hint, BJP. I was so engrossed in this scene that I can't remember if it was filmed in an unbroken take or if it was my inability to look away that made it feel so singular. I would argue that it is not just my perverse affection for this scene that made it stand out as the thesis of the film lies somewhere in debating if a murder is even, if a perfect murder is even possible. This is a very good looking movie. The cinematography is the standout here, as is the acting from the two leads. There are a few horror tropes on display. The obvious nod to the plot of The Shining as well as a not so little gratuitous male nudity scene, but in the hands of the surprisingly skilled filmmaker, all of this works as an homage in the context of this film. Rough around the edges at times, and certainly imperfect, I enjoyed more than I didn't in this film. The singular location setup works very well, as does the chemistry or intentional lack thereof between the two leads. I particularly enjoyed the ending as well, which is not something you can often say about a low-budget indie horror film. Amen. The plot is sparse at first, and the pacing is intentionally slow, a real grower, not a shower. I want to give this movie 6.5 out of 10 gratuitous shower penises, but that would be a disservice to the owners of said penis. So I'm going to go the extra inch and give it a full 7.5 out of 10 gratuitous shower penises. Not that it has much competition, but this is my new favorite queer horror movie, horror film. We rented The Latent Image on Amazon Prime. You can also rent it on YouTube. If you guys decide to check it out, I'll look forward to hearing your thoughts. 
Gay John. Thank you, Gay John, for yeah, that wow. girthy, gratuitous, over the top, seven and a half inch yeah. grower. You guys got an extra like <laughs> bonus movie review thrown in there too. That's awesome. Yeah, I've never even heard of this film. Me either. I know. So definitely got to fucking check it out. The latent image. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't even. I can't even imagine what it, the, the the poster looks like. But John, love hearing from you. And I'm adding this to my watch list right now. And it yeah. currently has. Oh, you know what? There's so few reviews that it doesn't even have an overall rating on Letterboxd. Letterboxd. Isn't yeah, that wow. crazy? That is wild when I find movies like that where you're like, nobody's watched this. 27 reviews. That is so wild. Yeah. But for the most part, they're like three or three and a half. So I think its average would be about three stars, which is pretty good on Letterboxd. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I got to say. All right. Take it away. Next up comes from Lauren, the goth botanist. Lauren. Uh, and she writes, I'm glad you both liked the surprise. I was looking back at the catalog and realized that Jeremy introduced BJP to Return of the Living Dead way back in episode one, three years ago this month. It, that's true. Three years ago this month. That's wild. Crazy. I had mentioned your podcast to Joe Russo and how you guys share horror movies with each other. I didn't realize at the time that it was episode one, but I did mention that you both loved it. The Shudder Horror Scenes Anthology put me on to Terrified a while back, and that would be the Shudder like top scariest moments, mm -hmm. I think they called it. I'd also like Jeremy passed over it because something looked a bit too cheesy or cheap with the poster art. I was also pleasantly surprised and felt like it was a strange foreign marriage of poltergeist and insidious it wasn't perfect and left me almost the same level of confusion i would feel after a lovecraft heavy story took a while for my brain to connect the dots but i also enjoyed not having the timeline li literally spelled out for me and like jeremy said the cast full of foreign actors definitely added a level of believability i remember discussing the same benefit of the original wreck movie Regarding my comments on Bog, I'm pretty sure I just lack the ability to remember where I hear things. I automatically assume that anything I hear that is horror related comes from you guys. And I really appreciate that. Like, <laughs> we're seeing it. I'm glad we could be such authorities for you. You just automatically like, they must have said it. But Lauren continues, but it was most likely from In Search of Darkness 3. This is a common problem for me. Uh, critters will always have a special space in my heart. I met Dee Wallace and most definitely told her she was mom to all of us in the 80s. Rather than regurgitating the facts, here's a cool article about Graham about critters it covers how gremlins led to it being greenlit as well as the work of the Ch chiodo brothers on the puppets and effects i still kick myself for not having the guts to meet them at my first horror convention and yes terrence man as ugh was a strange mix of tim curry and mick jagger and i'd say yep. yeah that's that's exactly what was going Perfect. on there. yes anyway that's all from me on this late night message dump tomorrow is the third and last day of modern arnis world legacy camp 2023 a bunch of us traveled from north carolina to connecticut in order to train with many amazing instructors who possess decades often over 40 years of experience in martial arts i meant that i could only it meant that I could only catch up on the podcast after the night ended. I'm looking forward to the next episode and especially episode 150, which happens to a release on exactly three years since the release of the first episode. <laughs> Lauren, you Whoa. little super fan. Yeah, she's like she she's a she's the true little maniac right there. <laughs> we have a few true little maniacs, and I I mean mm -hmm. we love them all. We love all the little maniacs. We sure but do. That is so cute and so beautiful. And Lauren, yeah. thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you for knowing this stuff about us. We don't even realize <laughs> this shit sometimes. So, Yeah, I, I just love a good clip show. I really do. I was talking about it yesterday, and it was so awesome because the room I was in like wasn't horror movie people, but they're like started talking about Watch Mojo because mm-hmm. I, I didn't even mention Watch Mojo, just that I love those number like um list YouTube videos and they yeah. knew it. And then they were telling us that um Tom Holland to see one of the Spider-Mans. Yes. That he was in an interview and with someone else, I think. And then they realized that the person interviewing them was the woman who is the majority of the Watch Mojo voice. Like oh. there's usually like I think her name's Rebecca, maybe or something. Okay. And they realized that that was her and they like freaked out. They're like, oh my God, you're the voice of Watch Mojo. I'm like, oh my God, I have to find this video because that sounds so cute. Yes. Yeah, Tom Holland's cute, but I'm like, Spider-Man? I don't fucking know. Don't yeah, know. he's he's currently Spider-Man. I think okay. still still on board for more movies, but who knows? They seem to be taking forever now to announce whether they're making another one or not. So who okay. knows? Okay. We'll see. Well, thank you, Goth Botanist. We love you. Yes, we do. And bringing it on home is a telegram from Teacher Drew, who writes, Good morning, guys. Interesting episode. I think I'm up for a double feature of Critters and Terrified. I thought A Haunting in Venice was a nice start to spooky season. The cinematography was a love letter to Italy. The murder mystery had the added bonus of a supernatural vibe. You should... Excuse me, you should definitely check it out. Though It Lives Inside has been getting mixed reviews, I appreciate it. Any horror movie that comments on the horrors of high school speaks to me on some level. I caught the country music horror movie, Torn Hearts. It wasn't great, but I did like the influence of whatever happened to Baby Jane and Sunset Boulevard had on the writers. Have you seen it? Well, I'm off to catch Saw X. When your next episode drops, I'll be back up in the PNW, which we now know means Pacific, Pacific Northwest. Northwest. I do, at least. Mm-hmm. And my anticipation for the new Exorcist movie will be satisfied. Till then, my friends, stay happy, stay healthy, stay you, Teacher Drew in Phoenix. Thank you, Teacher Drew. And mm-hmm. yeah, I've not seen Torn Hearts. I'm. It's Katie Seagal. I've not I even heard of it. So. I have, but I haven't been like, ooh, I want to see that. But okay. those are the influences I would like to see it. Because I love Sounds Baby cool. and Sunset Boulevard. By the way, Sunset Boulevard, the musical, has this revival happening right now in like London with um, Nicole Schreschinger, whatever, from Pussycat Dolls as Norma Desmond. And this production, if you are a fan of Sunset Boulevard, the musical at all, there was a really great version with Glenn Close and L.A. and, I don't know, Patti LuPone or someone on Broadway, and I love that musical. And they did this, they're doing this revival right now in London that's like, I mean, if you know the show or even the movie, like, there's grand mansions, grand sets, everything like that, but they've Mm -hmm. just, like, stripped it down. Everyone wears, like, one costume. I don't think there's any grand sets. It's all, like, very minimal, but, like, the last shot is like of Nicole S I'll call her because I don't know how to pronounce her last name standing there as Norma Desmond at the end and she's just like covered in blood Mm. and then I think you see Joe like are you a fan of Sunset Boulevard like the movie I've not seen it in a what? long time. Oh, but you have seen it. Yeah, long well, time anyway, ago. The whole crux, I mean, and you find out in the f- very first scene is that she's, that Joe yeah. is dead. And Joe is all bloody too. And I'm like, oh my God, I fucking want to see this production. Yeah, that sounds that wild. So cool. it's a, I love a reimagining of something where you're like, oh, that's too hard to do. We don't have the money. And then like fucking reimagine it and strip it down and do something really cool with it. Oh man, I mm-hmm. love that so, so much. So, so yeah. 
I'm cool. all for it. And thank you, Teacher Drew. And it lives inside. I just, uh, after listening to our friends on Only Slightly Opinionated, Joey talked further. I think I mentioned before he was not a fan of that. I um, mean, he just sort of went into a little more. It's one of those PG-13 mm. horror movies, which, you know, are few and far between as far as the good ones go. So I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm good. Yeah, I just saw it, I think, on Letterboxd. It had like a pretty lukewarm reception on there so i was just kind of like i guess i won't be running out for this one so yeah yeah fuck that no i'm just kidding it might might, i might on some dark rainy night might check it out we'll see might see it someday so yeah um jeremy i also realized i i can't remember what i was listening to but they talked oh i was listening to development hell and they were talking about district nine at one point Mm. and i've never seen that so throwing that out there to you wow because i think my husband got it for me on blu-ray like a million years ago for a present and i've never watched it um but definitely something i want to watch and have not so i just wanted to throw that out there that one had such a high profile i mean it was it was nominated for best picture when it came out that what It was, yeah. Look it up. It was? Yes, it was one oh of the God, nominees. That is so weird. I had no idea. Yeah, it was for nominated. For an Oscar? For an Oscar, yeah. It was nominated for Best Picture <laughs> oh for the God. year it came out. So That is so fucking weird. One of the few times genre film has like made that jump. So Like The Exorcist. And I imagine yeah. like The Exorcist Believer will be. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. Oh, wait. That's for a Razzie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm tipping my hat. I'm tipping my uh-oh. cards. I'm showing yep, my cards. You're showing your cards early. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else, or shall we get to our film? Let's get to it. The reason Let's for the season. Let's get to it. Why we're so, here. Yeah, but we are here to talk about The Exorcist Believer. And the tagline on Letterboxd is, Do you believe in magic? Because I hope you do. <laughs> the lyrics. No, it's just you. <laughs> and the summary is, Since the death of his wife 12 years ago, Wow, spoiler alert. Yeah. Victor Fielding has raised their daughter Angela on his own. But when Angela and her friend Catherine disappear in the woods, only to return three days later with no memory of what happened to them, it unleashes a chain of events that will force Victor to confront the nader and a Nadir, is that correct? Nadir? Nadir? What? Nadir. Nadir. How, what, what, what is that? I'm horrible. I, I don't the know. The Nadir of Evil. Uh, seriously, this, this summary. The Nadir of Evil and in his terror and desperation seek out the only person alive who has witnessed anything like it before, Chris McNeil. God, I hate that. Nadir means the lowest point in the fortunes of a person or organization. Oh, come on. That is too lofty for this summary. Yeah, it really is. Give me a break. So, Jeremy, you know what? I'm just going to say this now. Like, listen to us if you don't want to see this movie or if you've seen it, because I just want to be spoilery all over the place. Oh, God. Yeah, I, that's what I was going to so say. Just like, throwing this out there. We like, have to we have to get into gonna spoilers. Go there. I'm not going like, to do non-spoilers. And then we're just going to we just, just rip go. into it. We just got to go. Um, yeah, let's do it. Spoilers. Let's start. All right. Uh, what'd you think, Jeremy? Um, I had I it's weird. I was literally saying to Harry in the lobby, who was with us at the screening, our friend Harry, um, that I'm like, the thing was like this wasn't like a bad movie in the way it's constructed. Uh it's just like whatever they were doing with the story, I feel like they just failed to understand. Like it felt like they were trying to get there, like they're trying to say something similar to what the original movie said, but just missing it somehow either being too blatant like because the original movie is a subtle movie with what it's doing this movie is trying to make the same points but just like spelling it out for you like just flat out and i'm like oh no that's what made the original movie great was the subtlety of what it was doing not that it 
hit you over the head with a message. Um, especially like this one too. It felt like I thought the first half was decent. I thought I had a good setup. It was just somewhere in the middle stuff started to go haywire and just turned into like a different movie from what it felt like they were setting up. Yeah. And while I think like the overall theme of the first film is sort of like belief, like you're to choose to like believe like or faith, yeah. like what is your faith and what do you believe? What do you believe in? I guess is sort of how I would sum up the first you, one to me in yeah. many ways is about like because like the priest is sort of like you know just like a little all over the place and chris mcneil is like not religious and then she sort of she doesn't like choose to believe or whatever but like here i feel like the whole movie is about choice difficult choices mm -hmm. and what that does to you like it seems like there's a lot of that that's like sort of like a recurring theme but i just have to say this right off the bat they did ellen burston dirty oh god did they yeah yeah poor like fucking thing and she's great and i cannot believe she is 90 years old yeah that jesus. is fucking insane uh, jesus yeah it's like and with the original movie like you're saying too like uh father Karras, uh you know jason jason miller who plays him in the original movie so he, he uh has literally lost his faith that's a plot point he's talking about that he doesn't he does he's just going through the motions now uh mm -hmm. but yeah, that original movie is about uh, it's it's about belief and faith and family and destiny and uh, grief. So many things, but it, it there it, it's presented more like even though it's through the lens of you know Catholicism or with this like uh, uh, veneer of Catholicism over it. It's really, what does it mean to you? Like, it feels like a much more sort of adult conversation about these things. And what do they mean to you personally? And I feel like that's like, as an adult, that's my big takeaway now from the original Exorcist, where I'm like, it's a very dread-filled movie, but it, because it's hitting you with like the horrors, it's doing it through this salacious, crazy story at times, but it's really about like what real life is all about. Um, and being an adult at times is about these heavy, uh, dark subjects um and, and you have to deal with it whereas this movie feels like it was trying to go there but just doing it in like this is about faith and like hitting you over the head with it you know i don't know and they did do ellen versus like her character was pointless to this story they could have just not had her in it a hundred percent like and literally it just been its own little exorcism movie yeah, it literally, if they wanted that connection to her, they could have just been like, here's the book she wrote, we read it, and now know all the information she knew. Like, they didn't even literally have to have her. She was just there as fan service, and then she's taken out of the story, like, immediately. Yeah, and I, I just feel if you were going to have her back, like, make the movie about her. Like, I mean, she yeah. may have been like, no, I'll come back if you pay me a million dollars and I have to only shoot for two days. Like, that probably was part, maybe they wanted her more or what. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that, who that, knows? The context of how this all came to be. But it isn't like a, like a Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween, no. Halloween 2018, where she is the main focus and the star and all of that. And it's all about her. Like she comes in and it's great to see her and she's good. But, it doesn't but serve yeah. the story. I would even on the car ride home, I was thinking, you know what? I would even argue that Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the newest one, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's use of Sally Hardesty as a legacy character. I think it made a better statement than they do here with, uh, you know, it felt like they're trying to tread similar ground, but then also like, have their cake and eat it too so it's like no you got to pick one side guys like what are you doing with this character it's like you tried to do two different things with it and it just doesn't serve the story at all
And this also feels like a stripped down version of Halloween Kills. Like I leaned mm. over to Joe at a certain point when the big exorcism scenes are happening. And I'm like, evil dies tonight. Yeah. Because that's what it felt like. And they're like, like this whole like bullshit. Like Ellen was at one point, uh, you know, Chris McNeil is like, it's about, or no, it was um, Anne Dowd, right? Mm-hmm. Like Anne Dowd's in that fucking lover. Also poor thing. Cause like, just it's just not good. She acts and the hell out of her part. Like she, she does. She, she, she had does. <laughs> she had moments that I thought were genuinely touching, like her character and like talking about herself. But you know, it's to to what point though? What is it serving in the story? But it also felt like like what I love about the original. I mean, it's everything. First of all, I fucking mm-hmm. love everything about that movie. <laughs> it is so goddamn good. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, the people I was with weren't like didn't find it scary, but they said it. You know, it's such a good movie because it is. But it is just so well done, and it's creepy, but it's not like scary. You know, mm-hmm. here there was a, a jump scare that like actually got me, and aside from that, it's less shocky than the original because even though that was made so long ago it's still um there's things in it that are way more shocking than they'll achieve in movies today like in a mainstream movie they're not gonna have a girl masturbating with a cross yeah no like that will not happen in a mainstream movie maybe in some like little low budget thing yeah but like here like that's not gonna happen uh so like that's why it's still just like mind-boggling that a movie with a girl masturbating with a cross and shoving her mom's face in her bloody crotch yeah. was nominated for an Oscar for Best Picture. Like, that is insane to me. Yeah, again, because it's they use some salacious stuff in that original movie, but what it's saying, I think, about people uh, in life is just so profound. Like, it's just really good storytelling that transcends uh, all the pieces uh, that are in there. You know, in this movie, eh, they didn't get there. And, and that's a... Let's talk about that, too. The behavior of the possessed girls. I feel like this movie is not following the same rules as the original because uh, literally I heard the line because everything everything unnatural and crazy that happens is physically like Reagan's body in the original like the demon only does things like makes her levitate her head turns around but it's like it's only her acting unnaturally and sure there's like the death of the you know director friend but mm-hmm. you don't you don't see it happen it's just alluded to that like Maybe Reagan pushed her. Maybe it was the demon. Or and pushed also him. that maybe Reagan went to the church and defaced that or whatever yes. you would call it. With the, like, I love that that's never really addressed. They never say, I think your daughter went and did that. But they set it up early because in her basement, she has like those little like thing creatures that she's made. Those like yes, figurines. Yes, out of the same the material. And yep. I love that is so subtle that I yep. missed that as a kid. That I'm like, oh, Reagan went into that fucking church. And did and that. whatever. Defiled. That's the word I was looking for. Like defiled the statue, statue of mary yeah yeah which yeah. is so crazy and i love that so much but these things that just happen that you don't ever see yeah you you don't see them so the mystery is there mm-hmm. that you're never 100 percent sure did she do that um but you see the aftermath whereas in this movie they have them doing shit killing people in ways that are like i think that's violating like the rules the original set up where it was supposed to be some mystery because the demon itself says in the original movie that's much too vulgar a display of power it would never show itself like ostentatiously because it's very subtly working at your your beliefs and your faith and eroding them it would never do something so uh over the top 
uh, as to, you know, play its hand that way. It's trying to bring you to its side slowly. Whereas in this movie, you know, they got freaking smoke coming out of their mouths. Like it's a haunting in Connecticut. Oh my movie. God. I was just thinking that. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. And it's just like the characters, like Leslie Odom Jr. is like good. Mm-hmm. And he of anyone has enough of a setup to kind of get into what we're into, but not even really. But like everyone else is mostly like this just vague character mm-hmm. up there. They really the original are. just like the setup for it makes everything pay off. You get to know these people. You're in rooms with them. You're like really feel like you know them. They feel so real. And mm-hmm. here there's just like they're all just these like characters these like sort of shells of people like it would have been so like of course when the two families of the two girls like meet they're already like at each other's throats and like they're putting up individual like missing posters yeah like, it's why would you do that why wouldn't you be like art like it's much more interesting to have them come together and connect and bond and be like what why didn't our, we know about each other's family and like have it be this so that they can be torn apart later yes then what happens here like it that, that makes no sense yeah that struck me as weird characterization where i'm like why are they like they seemingly don't like each other from the jump and it's like that's not set up anywhere like what are we why why is this happening (laughs) there's no setup here and the scene there's when chris mcneil shows up to amanda i think was the girl's name the one with like the the mom and the dad and she shows up to their house and like the fan like uh, the the possessed daughter's just up in her room by herself and the rest of the family is like the dad's like outside and the mom's in the kitchen i'm Mm -hmm. like sure we're coming in being like something crazy happened so you all are like oh god we have to pray but like that no that makes no sense that makes no sense why would you leave your possessed daughter upstairs no matter like and it wasn't like like that situation like with burke in the first one where you're talking about where it's like oh i wonder what happened like we didn't see it it's more just like this just is dumb like yeah this is weird setup and they have her in a nightgown she looks just like reagan Mm -hmm. which maybe is like the whole point right yeah but like it just and i don't believe even though chris mcneil is like I, we've met before because we don't find out in the first one that the demon's name is Pazuzu. That's like in no. part two, right? They they literally name it like it's subtly there in the first movie because they they keep referencing the statue. The it ancient, is the statue Pazuzu. And it's a statue of Pazuzu. So like literally it was people that were like <laughs> scholars of antiquity knew that's what they were referencing because Pazuzu is a demon from Babylonian mythology um so it's yeah it was implied you know and they speaking of that too they did such an amazing job in the original movie like in the novel straight up they tell you that father Marin exercised this demon before uh and Mm. always felt he always felt that he was going to do it again like his destiny was always to fight this thing another time um and in the original movie, that's all there in the subtext. You just don't, you know, they didn't spell it out. They didn't hit you over the head with it. They just have Max von Sydow in northern Iraq at a dig site where he suddenly comes across a Pazuzu statue again. And it's all through the way he reacts and is now haunted by it. You know that he knows something bad's going down because he's seen this thing before. It's so uh, good. And do you know he's only like 40 when they made that movie? They just made yeah. him look older. That is insane. They put him in elderly makeup. And I think it's crazy that he eventually looked like that. Like they <laughs> they like predicted what he was going to look like as an old man. Like the makeup's so good that you're like, oh yeah, he did eventually look like that though. So, um, but yeah, no, that's like, 
they do it so subtly in the original movie and they tie these things together. Whereas in this one, they never say Pazuzu. I don't know. I saw people online saying it's not the same demon from the first time, but like, isn't it though? Like, yeah, because like here, the whole thing, it seems to all happen, the possession to get Chris McNeil there. That's what they say. Oh, and they're like writing Reagan on the wall and Mm -hmm. shit like that. Like, it seems like the whole purpose is to get Chris McNeil there so that they can like kill her or whatever, which just, mm-hmm. I don't, it's so much stronger in the first one. If a, like it, you can tell when you watch that first one, there's that sadness with Reagan and her dad, that there's that, like how they say like possession happens when there is like this sort of void in mm-hmm. someone like that, yes. that, like it finds its way in through that, the like cracks and what's going on in your life. And here, like that's sort of laid out in the beginning, like just minimally, but like it makes more sense that it's like all really to get that priest there and it's like trying to do the same thing here but with chris mcneil feeling filling in for the priest but it just doesn't make sense she was not the ex and i like that at least she touches on that and she's not like she's like by the way i didn't do the exorcism or whatever but then she comes in there and acts like she is gonna do it and take care of it and i'm like oh fuck me and i also thought it was kind of weird that they don't even mention the names of marin and karis in this movie like they should have at least name dropped them yeah you think they would have name dropped them but no they don't even mention them so it's like weird um i also don't like that they keep doing these things where like this is Again, a legacy sequel. It's a direct sequel to the original movie, but it's also a freaking remake. Like, it's straight up just a remake of the original movie. It's even got similar plot points. It starts in a foreign land, like the original, like I just said, starts in northern Iraq. I did and- love that with the dogs fighting and him taking yeah. pictures, because I that's like such a vivid image for from me the from original. the original. Yes. And I was like, what a cool, not like it starts and I'm like, okay, it's going to go, it has to go downhill because this beginning is actually pretty decent. Yeah, the beginning's decent where it's like, but it's set in a foreign land. They're in Haiti in the beginning of this one and it's setting a foreboding. There's, you know, premonitions of horrible things to come. Uh, it sets up some stuff that's going to get, you know, touch on later. I mean, they they go to a psychiatric ward. Like there's a plot point in the original movie where, you know, Father Karras goes to see his ailing mother and she's in a psychiatric mm-hmm. hospital now. Uh, and he feels guilt about putting her there. And then in this movie, they do why the same you, thing. Why you do this to me, Demi? Yeah, Demi, why? <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's like, oh, my God, dude, like, this is just a remake of the first one. Stop. Come on, guys, get a little more like you can do a legacy sequel without just doing all the same plot points for whatever reason. Like, it just doesn't feel like it pays off, though. And there's also, it goes too far with this sort of kumbaya. We're going to have people from all different beliefs come together yeah, that was to weird. exercise <laughs> the demon. Let's have the, you know, for lack of a better term, like the 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 witch doctor. There's, I know there's got to be a better word for that. Yeah. Um, but like, and then let's have like the priest and the people from these different religions. Then we're all going to come in, the Catholics and the Christians. And I'm like, fuck off yeah this is like like what it's so annoying so heavy-handed so heavy handed oh god it was just so annoying and then there's just no like i did love the chris mcneil stuff i did i loved i loved her but yeah then they just do her dirty it was all worth it for the last moment of the movie i'll say like i i would watch i would sit through it all knowing how bad it is just to get to that last moment which was just like beautiful i was just like oh that was a nice little moment um yeah, it, it's just ultimately a movie where I think the the weird thing about this whole series, too, is is because um, I'm sitting here thinking about it and I'm like, I've seen all of them except for Dominion. I've never seen Dominion prequel to the ex- that alternate version of Exorcist, the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, of the series, it's like which ones are even actually good? The original, of course, 
Uh, and then I would say three. Exorcist yeah. three is the only other good movie. And the connective tissue there is William Peter Blatty himself, the guy that wrote the novel. He wrote the screenplay of the original movie. He was very involved in its development. Uh, and then he wrote and directed Exorcist three. Yeah. So I feel like he himself had a really good command of this story and just everyone else that tries to interpret it is just like missing whatever he like innately knew this thing to be about. And while I didn't finish The Exorcist, the TV series, the first season, I, something happened and I wasn't able to like, or I didn't like wrap up the last couple episodes, but it has a beautiful, a couple beautiful twists in it that I will not give away here, but mm -hmm. it does it really effectively. And I've heard the second season is really good. I, I need to watch it at some point. Mm -hmm. So friend of the podcast, Nico also sent me over this amazing tweet that I have to read. And it is from culture crave is the, um, or the, X post, what the fuck ever. And it says the exorcist director, William Friedkin's alleged thoughts on the exorcist believer prior to his passing. And I don't know if this is true, but like, cause it says alleged, I just realized, but yeah. I, I think this is correct. And it says, here's the quote. My signature film is about to be extended by the man who made pineapple express. I don't want to be around when this happens. If there's a spirit world and I can come back, I plan to possess David Gordon green and make his life a living hell. <laughs> So, of course, he probably didn't really say that, but like, oh, I don't know. You think, maybe it sounds like Friedkin. He, <laughs> I mean, I would love that. He would unleash on like other directors like uh, he when The Exorcist 2 came out, uh, he apparently said like he had been shown like 30 minutes of it when it was being edited uh, and he had watched it. And he said like some idiot named John Borman, like named the director and like called him just like a piece of shit idiot like literally in quotes like okay. so then he had to yeah so he, he's he is he was not afraid to just like let other people you know like in the industry people are always like they never really badmouth each other william friedkin was never afraid to just let all of his you know uh let, let it let his freak flag fly when he was talking about other filmmakers so i can imagine sounds like something he might say who knows if he actually did but and i feel like the reason that three is successful is that it does something a little different, right? Like, mm -hmm. is Jason Miller actually in it, or does the priest he, just look he, like him? He is in it. Okay. He reprises it. like the, the serial killer, but he, like, kind of becomes... What, yeah, it's it's literally his body has been possessed by Got a serial it. killer and, like, reanimated. Yeah, that's... So, like, there's some... But it does... It's this really... It's, like, a totally different story, which I think threw some people off, right? It wasn't, yes. like, a little girl. No. And that's what they try to do here, like you said, is just sort of remake the first one but with two girls instead of one it's like that's the whole thing like let's use two girls and then it's therefore it's different and, and uh, one more thing big spoiler though but like the ending just left me feeling like why did you have to end it that way uh because like because are we it's a trilogy maybe maybe we're well, going back to it well one it doesn't feel like it it doesn't feel like it earned its trilogy status but i'm no. like am I, am I supposed to feel good about the fate of like <laughs> You know, like at the end of the original, evil is banished, like good is done. Uh, and actually, number three ends the same way. It's like, you know, uh, to an extent, they, they have happy endings. Like there's some uh, there's some solace, I think, in the fact that you're like they 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 succeed, like good people succeed in the end. Uh, and this movie kind of doesn't really do that. And I'm like, no. why, why, why are we supposed to feel good about this, the torment of this little girl? Like, so that's what I'm curious about. So uh, supposedly they paid $400 million for the mm -hmm. rights to The Exorcist to make a supposed trilogy, right? Yeah. Proposed trilogy. 
So I think this movie is going to be number one this weekend, but it's such a stinker. Like, do you think the trilogy is going to happen? I hear tons of talk that people are like, I think they'll do a second one. It'll get dumped straight to streaming instead of coming out in theaters and then maybe not do a three. I just, this could have been successful if they would have done something a little different. I feel like, yes, bring back Chris McNeil. We, we want to see that bring back fucking Ellen Burson while she's still alive, please. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Maybe she'll live to be 120, but like, and also Linda Blair, I would like more of her, please, please. I would love the two of them, please. But let's not have more little girls possess, like do something like, and I love a possessed little girl, trust me, but like do something different with it. Yeah, exactly. Like there's a lot of, and I, yeah, this does feel like a movie that at one point probably had some good ideas and a good story. But as we saw at the end, the end credits, when it was like written by three different people, story by like four other people. And I'm like, uh. yeah, and that's the problem I I heard about the Halloween trilogy that David Gordon Green worked on. Like, dude cannot stop fucking rewriting. Like at some point, it's like commit to the story because uh, Halloween ends. Apparently, you know, the, the story of the movie we got was because like in the middle of production, he entirely rewrote the script because he just decided he wanted to do a different story. And it's like, stop doing it. Sometimes rewrites are your enemy. You have to just commit to an idea and do it. Uh, And that's what I had been hearing about this movie is like, if you go on Reddit and follow some Reddit threads, a lot of people are talking about versions of this that existed that were like radically different. So I think they just rewrote this to hell until it was a different movie than what the original concept was. Yeah, and... I feel like I I like Jennifer Nettles and Joe was like, is that Jennifer Nettles who is from what's that fucking band? It's a country band. Oh. I want to say Sugar. Sugar. Is that a sure. thing? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Nettles. What is her fucking band? Uh, Sugarland is yeah, her. Okay. She's so pretty, and I I did not even realize. And she, I think she looks like like an like a Jennifer Lawrence as like mom or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I liked her, but like she did not have like any character, like no character development to be anything other than once again like sort of the southern Christian mom. Yeah, no, all this movie has a lot of characters, but you don't get to know any of them. So it's like, why? What was the point of having all these characters if they're not you know their functions could have been served by the main characters doing all the same shit. And whether you like talk to me or not, because it is sort of divisive, it does something different with possession. Yes. And I feel like with filmmakers finally doing something a little bit different and even like hereditary, like these movies are taking possession and moving them in different directions than your sort of typical last exorcism, exorcism. Like it's taking all of these things and like moving them in a new direction. So this just feels like we're going back in time to like the early 2000s and doing more exorcism movies. Yeah. This this, being the exorcist. This movie made me retroactively appreciate talk to me and even the Pope's exorcist even more. Cause (laughs) I think, I think that did more interesting and amusing things with its plot than this movie did. It did. And I was not as big of a fan of it. Yeah, but I wish I could rewatch it because after listening to it's only a podcast where they covered it and they were talking about like what fun it is. I'm like, well, I was watching it. I, I was not under the guise. This should be fun. Yeah. So like, I'm like, oh, I should watch this with that in mind. That it's but, supposed like, to be silly. That it's supposed to be silly. But like, it, I did love where it went in the end. Like that. Mm-hmm. It, but like in the middle, it feels like, oh, I'm an exorcist ripoff. It does for a minute, and then at the ending, it and went off it into like different. it went yeah. off into bonkers territory at the end. That you're like, oh, at least it had the guts to do that. Where yeah. this this movie like flirts with that idea, I think, but doesn't commit to doing anything like wildly different. 
And I came into this being like, okay, it's had such bad reviews. It's like 20% in Rotten Tomatoes. I'm going to look at it like a comedy. But it wasn't, there was like, it's, during the exorcism, I was able to laugh a little bit. But it's just not, not even that. It's not even funny. <laughs> it's not even so, so bad, it's good. Yeah. So, I don't yeah. know. We ready uh, to rate this thing? <laughs> yeah, let's rate this thing. Let's put it to rest. Yeah. Out of how, uh, out of five forehead crucifix, forehead uh, inverted crosses? Yeah. All right. <laughs> how many do you give the exorcist believer? I don't know. I almost went like slightly higher with this because there is some good acting and stuff. But I'm like, do I really enjoy this? I'm just going to settle on a two. I'm going to go one and a half. Whoa. And that extra half is for Linda Blair. And the one is for Ellen Burson. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's it. So take it and... Throw it on the slash heap. Throw it on the slash heap. That's right. That's right. Ugh. Oofta. Oh, well, yeah. Oofta, oofta. There's always time to not do any more, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just take that... Just take your losses, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, this one doesn't even feel like it truly sets up more movies. So I'm like, how are they going to do like a trilogy? I mean, I guess I now I'm thinking what you're saying. I kind of have an idea where they'll probably take it. Something with, I think her name was Amanda. That's the other thing. You just don't even. No, Catherine was the name of it. Catherine, thank yeah. you. And I, I just the... looked it up. It's looking like it's going to make $28 million this weekend, which is not great, but higher yes. than any other Exorcist movie. Yeah, that's not great. So no, oh, no, well. it's really not. So I know I saw plenty of things that were like, who would have thought the tenth Saw movie is like the greatest legacy sequel to come out? I uh, know, you know, in horror this year. So yeah, and it's just crazy after following up, following Saw X last week, which you would think, yeah, the tenth in a like silly slasher series, porn slasher yeah. series, and it like steps it up. And then we come to this, which yep. has an Oscar-winning actress. Yep. And, you know, no. I don't know. David Gordon Green, what are you doing? Just stop. Just stop. Like, Someone yeah. stop him. I saw one review that said, like, David Gordon Green uh, uh, takes uh, his uh, arc of diminishing returns that he had with the uh, Halloween trilogy and condenses it to one movie. So that's, like, really <laughs> how it felt, where I was like, yep, it started okay, and then just went downhill. So Yeah, really did. Yeah. And there oh. was so much hope after Halloween 2018. There was so much right? hope. Like that one. I feel like people also dislike that movie more now retroactively because of his sequels where they're I like, think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it came out to like unanimous praise the 2018, but then kills and ends came out and everyone's like, fuck his trilogy. Yep. 100%. And that one also could have just ended on one movie. 2018. Yep. Yeah. So. Oh, well. Well, everybody, let us know your thoughts. Write to us, scaringasharing at gmail.com. Follow us on Insta, scaringasharing. All one word. Smash That's it together. Right. Smash it. And we'll be back next week for, as Lauren pointed out, our 150th episode with a very special guest. Mm-hmm. And I'm just very excited to have spent three years with you, Jeremy. Yeah, that's insane. It is. Well, let's I keep it going. It. Yeah. Uh, and... Just remember, 
feed me, Seymour. <laughs> feed me now. And I was going to say, I wanted to etch help me into my skin. And that's what I'd hold it up. But since this is audio only, it'd be lost. So help there you go. Me. You can help be that me. little from the fly. Little fly. Help me. Help me. <laughs> and keep watching and talking about scary movies because scaring is sharing. Bye. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.